You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, today we're wrapping up the series that we've been in for the past few weeks called Together. What we've been talking about in this series is this idea that in a culture of disconnectedness, in a culture of loneliness, God is calling us to embrace togetherness, to pursue purpose in Christian community. And today, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about how the church is a place where we can find purpose, that we are a community on mission together. Now, speaking of purpose, let me start by asking you this question. Um, how many of you, what, what, was your, what was your dream when you were a kid? I want you to think about that. What did you dream of becoming when you were a kid? How many of you had a lot, a lot of big dreams when you were a kid like me? Think about that. Like when I think about that, this week I was meditating on, what was it that I was dreaming about when I was a kid? I thought about being like an actor. I dreamed of being like the president of the United States. Like I had big dreams. I, I, but I think the, the biggest one I had, the biggest aspiration I had was to be a, a, a sports star. Really, like when I was out on the street playing, you know, sports with my friends or on the playground, like there was a whole other world going on in my mind, you know, like I pictured myself as Joe Montana throwing the game winning touchdown for the San Francisco 49ers. I, I pictured myself as MJ hitting the buzzer beater when I was out on the court. I pictured myself as Jose Canseco hitting the game winning walk off home run. Where are the people who grew up in the 80s and the 90s and can resonate with my sports heroes? Y'all know what I'm talking about. There was a of the world going on in, in my mind. And in my mind, I was the hero of the story. It was about me. That's how it is when you're a kid. I'm coaching my son Michael's fifth grade basketball team, and they got a big win, by the way, yesterday. So come on, somebody. Um, and you know, coaching fifth grade boys, you know, everybody wants playing time. Everybody wants to be the star. Everybody wants to be in the game. I have never had a fifth grade boy come up to me and say, well, coach, I'll sit on the bench if that's what's best for the team. You know, it's about the team, not me. That has never happened before. Because <laughs> that's not how it works when you're a kid. But, grow, but here's the deal. As we grow up, we begin to realize that there's more to life than things being about us. That there's more to life than it being all about us. That true success involves what we can do to help others. It's not just about us being the star. In fact, uh, the leadership expert John Maxwell said this. He said, success is when you add value to yourself. Significance is when you add value to others. And we do add value to ourselves. We, we work hard to pursue an education, right? And to, and to get training for our careers and to advance ourselves. And that's okay. But there comes a moment, hopefully in your life, when you recognize that true lasting significance is, it has to do with what you can invest in other people. And I think most of us want to live lives of significance. Anybody else in here with me today? You'd say, I want to live a life of, of significance, right? To look back one day and be able to say that my life uh, was meaningful, that I made a difference in other people's lives, that, that I cared for my family and friends, that, that I had a fulfilling career, that I helped other people who were in need. Like one day at your funeral, when people get up to say nice things about you, you want them to actually mean it, right? Not just to be saying it, because that's what you do, but to actually mean it. Come on, we want to live lives of purpose, of significance. And so here's the idea. Most of us want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We want to give our lives away to worthy causes. I think that's true for most of us today. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been a part of, of something where people came together, where people rallied around a, a cause to make a difference? How many of you served yesterday at our fall serve event? Come on, hands off to you. Thank you so much for serving 
proud of all of you guys who showed up to serve. Let me ask you this question, whether you served yesterday, if you've ever served at one of our serve events before, how did that make you feel? It felt good, didn't it, right? Yeah, some of y'all came in here a little bit jacked up today, kind of just feeling good, like in the Holy Ghost and caffeine, and you served yesterday at serve day and feeling good. But there's something that feels good about, about serving, right? Like, why is that? There's something special about coming together around a common mission. And I think there are two ingredients that make serving together so powerful. Here's the first one, helping others, because helping others gets you outside of yourself. In fact, if you're ever in a season of life where you kind of find yourself self-absorbed, kind of lost in your thoughts and and dealing with with things, one of the best things you can do is serve someone else because it'll get you outside of yourself. Did you know that? I know it's been true. It's true in my life. Often when I serve someone else, it helps me get out of my own personal funk. So the first ingredient is helping others. The second thing is helping others with others, helping others in community. Think about this. It's fascinating that work that you normally wouldn't want to do by yourself is a joy when you do it in community. Yesterday, some of you were out cleaning up and sprucing up gardens. Like you got leaves piling up at your house. You got garden work you've been putting off, but you went out and like fixed up somebody else's garden with joy because you did it with others. Some of you were out boxing up and packing up Thanksgiving meals yesterday. If you're honest, you don't feel like cooking for your own family these days. You're a little bit tired. There's some dishes in the sink that you don't feel like doing, but you got out and you boxed up 4,000 Thanksgiving meals for other people. Why is there joy in that? Because there's something powerful about serving together, rallying around a cause together in community, in community. I love our serve events. And I was thinking this past week about what, what is it that planted the seed in my heart for having pastoring a church one day that would have a vision and a focus on, on community outreach because that's, that's one of the big things right now. That's, that's our, our passion. And, and I start to think about two times in my life that impacted me that I think really kind of planted the seed for having a church that would make a difference in the community. The first was living through Hurricane Katrina back in 2005. Amy and I were on staff uh, in my hometown of New Orleans with my dad and, and we went through Katrina and uh, my, my dad's church, we were in kind of a far out suburb uh, away from the city. So our area was overrun with like 50,000 people um, whose homes were underwater and people were just looking for a place to go while they were waiting to get back in their house. So every day uh, we just... Every day for like a month, we, we gave people groceries and water and clothes and diapers and baby formula like all day, every day for like a month. And it was hot. The first couple of weeks, there was no electricity. We were in South Louisiana in the August heat and, and we were sleeping on the church floor and opening up like canned goods and just cooking together. And you think about that and that sounds really hard, but looking back, that was one of me and Amy's most special, most favorite seasons of ministry ever. Because we knew we were making a difference every day, just touching people's lives who were hurting. And then I fast forward a couple years later to when we spent some, a few years in Amy's hometown of Buffalo, serving on staff at the church where her parents worshiped. And uh, we got to be involved in the TV show, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And you guys remember that show? So when the show came to Buffalo, I think it was back in like 2009. Um, by the way, if you don't know the premise of the show, what happens is they find like a deserving family who's in need and they basically take a week and like renovate the house, like tear it down and rebuild them a brand new house for free and it like changes a family's life. It's awesome. It's got all the like feel good moments in the show. So anyway, when the show came to Buffalo, the lead contractor who was redoing the house for this family was actually friends with our church administrator at the time. So one of the very first places um, that people got to sign up to volunteer to be a part of the show was our church. Well, our church had been serving in the city for years, doing all kinds of projects, fixing up houses, stuff like that. So we said, listen, let the show focus on fixing up this one house. We'll be a part of that, but we're going to do more than that. Like we're going to get a bunch of volunteers out and we're going we're gonna to work on some other houses. Well, guys, it just took off. The word spread 
and people came out from all over, like the city of Buffalo. We had over 6,000 volunteers come out, like over 50,000 volunteer hours were, were given. And like, we changed the whole neighborhood. There was like roofs going on houses, siding going up, cleaning up the streets, renovated two parks, like literally transformed a whole neighborhood. So much so that for the first time, uh, ABC took the show from one hour to two hours, made it a two hour special because church people showed up and people volunteered to transform a neighborhood. And man, it just, it just left such a mark on me, like the power of what happens when people come together. Why, why were those events so, so impactful in my life? Because we knew we were a part of something bigger than ourselves and we were making a difference and it took teamwork to accomplish it. And the thing is, I think we hear stories like that and we're inspired, right? And we talk about the feel-good feelings that we have when we serve. And I think most of us want our lives to be about significance and making a difference in the lives of others. The problem though, is that we live in a culture that constantly communicates to us that life is all about you and your fulfillment and your individual achievement. That's the disconnect, right? Like I think deep down in our bones, we know that the one thing is true, that serving others is really fulfilling. But we live in a world that constantly tells us that it's all about you. Make you the center of your world. Make you the center of your, your universe, your, your happiness, right? Your satisfaction, your finances, your, your career path. And, I, and, and all of that is, is wonderful. But, but here's the, the reality. Jesus came to set us free from making life all about ourselves. He didn't just come to set us free from our sins. He came to set us free from ourselves. Look at this, Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, Countercultural. Jesus flipped it upside down. You want greatness? You want lasting purpose? You want lasting fulfillment? Then you have to become a servant. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, Jesus said this, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What does that mean? Jesus said, whoever gives their life for the eternal purposes of my kingdom, that is the person who will find eternal life. Jesus invites us to live for something so much greater than ourselves, for, for his kingdom, to give our lives away in service to others. And he places us in a spiritual family, his church, to get the job done. That's what we're talking about today. Now, if you remember back in week one, for those of you who are here uh, as part of the series, we talked about how the Bible isn't so much an instruction manual as it is a, a story of God's redemptive work in this world. Any of you remember that? If you were here in week one, that when we open the scriptures, we're invited into a story about a God who is redeeming this planet from its brokenness, who is redeeming humanity from the curse of sin. Like God is up to something in this world, fixing up this broken planet. And the church is right smack in the middle of that story. Like we're called to be a part of that, to be a Christian is is to be invited into God's redemptive story, to live and to, to live and to participate in, in God's mission to redeem this world. So here's the idea. Jesus calls us to, to give our lives to a cause that's so much bigger than ourselves. Like Jesus invites us into a purpose that is worth giving your life to, something of lasting significance. And this is what we see uh, in Acts chapter 2, which has been our key passage for this whole series, every week we've been looking at the story of the very first believers who became the very first church, these Christians who were gathered 
together. In Acts chapter 2, the early Christians were gathered around a cause that was bigger than themselves. They had had an experience with, with Jesus that was transforming. The, the apostle Peter had gotten up on the day of Pentecost, which was a, a Jewish feast, and some of you know that the day of Pentecost is a Christian holiday now. He had gotten up to, to preach, and, and the Holy Spirit had come down, and 3,000 people had believed the message and placed their faith in Jesus and got baptized, and the church was born. And so many of the people that were reading about today, they were there. They were impacted, and so they were giving their lives for the good news of Jesus, and they were giving their lives to each other, and we read this beautiful description. We're going to read it one more time and Acts chapter 2. Hopefully you have it memorized now after hearing this every week. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Here's what it says. They, these early believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Look at verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want to focus on verse 47 for just a moment here. I love this description of the early church, and I love the fact that it lands on verse 47, and it says that, that there was favor on them, and God was adding to their number daily those who were being saved, like other people were coming to faith because of, of their witness. It shows us that they weren't inward focused. They were a community living on mission. They were a community living on mission. Notice that it doesn't say, and as it gets to the end of the description, it doesn't say, and the believers were so happy that they had found each other. They were so happy that they had found Jesus. And so they all formed a big circle. And somebody broke out an acoustic guitar and they started singing Kumbaya. And they said, isn't this wonderful that we found each other? Isn't this good? Let's just keep this to ourselves. That is not what it says. <laughs> that is not what it says, right? Like they were living on mission. They had found something worth sharing with other people and it was infectious and it spread and the Lord was adding to the number daily those who were being saved. They recognized that God was working through them to reach others. They recognized that, that, that they weren't the end users of the gospel, that the good news of Jesus didn't just come to them and stop with them, but he had given them something to share with the world. In fact, that's what we read about in Matthew chapter 28, before Jesus ascended back to, to the Father in heaven, he gave his disciples a mission, right? A great commission. He, he said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. And they believed that. They bought into that. And they lived into it. And guess what? They did it. You and me, we're here today because of what they did. They, they changed the world. Like this, this group of underdogs, these kind of nobodies, this ragtag group of disciples actually believed that they could do what Jesus called them to do. And within a few centuries, they saturated the whole Roman Empire and turned the known world upside down. And here's what I want you to understand today. God still wants to work through you and me in that same way. God wants you and me to be a part of that story the story is still unfolding. There's no ending. There's no real ending to the book of Acts. It's just the story of the church. And you and I, we're still living in the church age. We're still the continuation of that story. With salvation comes an invitation to join God in his work of redeeming this broken world. God is inviting us into his story. God is inviting us into his mission. God is inviting to us to give our lives to something that is worth giving our lives to. Now, 
How do we make that personal today, okay? Because I can stand up here and get really inspirational about that and kind of throw a pep rally and we leave here like, man, wasn't that wonderful? And we have no idea how we personally connect to that. What I want to do in the second half of this message is kind of help make this personal for you. How do we give ourselves to the work of God? How do we embrace this idea of being a community together on, on mission, not just a group of people who gather together to sing a few songs and hear an inspirational message on a Sunday morning, but, but people who are really on mission together. And I want to give you four contributions that only you can make. This would be a great opportunity to take out your phone, take some notes. You can open up the Redemption app. There's a spot where you can take notes every week. If you don't have that, get it from our website. But I heard one of my pastor friends say lately that we've got to move from being consumers to contributors. <laughs> After there's some time in a church, you don't want to say that I took more out of the church than I gave back to it. And so if you want to be, be involved in God's mission to this world, then you've got to move toward being a contributor. Don't get quiet on me. This is a good spot to say amen. So four, let me give you four contributions that only you can make, and they all start with an S to help you remember them. Here we go. Here's the first one. Number one is, is your story. Your story. We talked a little bit about this last week, but somebody needs your story. Somebody needs your testimony. Somebody needs to hear the story of God's faithfulness in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, how he saved you, how he healed you, how he set you free, how he met you, how he brought you through whatever it is he's brought you through, how he's blessed you, right? Like somebody needs your story. And I think so often when we think about witnessing and we think about sharing our faith, that's really intimidating for a lot of people because I know a lot of us think, well, I don't want to be that guy who's preaching at every else. Can I just tell you the most powerful sermon you could ever share with someone is to tell them your story. Just share your story of how Jesus met you, what he's done in your life. And we often think that when we join a church that we're here to receive something. And that's great. I know we have so many new people in our church lately. I've been meeting just tons of new people. And, and many of you, you know, you're here to receive something. Well, let me tell you something. Stick around in a church long enough and you'll find that God has something for you to give to other people. And often it's your story. <laughs> as you start making friends, as you get into a life group, as you serve on a team, like somebody needs your story. And so many times what we're tempted to think is that our sinfulness and our mistakes and the things in our past that we're not proud of, we tend to think that those things disqualify us because in the real world, that's the way it works, right? There are certain things on your background check that you hope don't show up. <laughs> if you get a negative re performance review, you hope that doesn't follow you. If you didn't end well at your last job, you hope that that doesn't follow you. But in the kingdom of God, it's his grace that qualifies you. In his redemptive power, God is able to take your story and use it to encourage someone one else. It's by his grace. It has nothing to do with what you've done or haven't done. Maybe you got hurt or you went through a difficult season or you've experienced divorce or sickness or bankruptcy, financially challenging times. Let me just tell you, God wants to bring healing to you and the place where you were wounded now becomes the place of your anointing to minister to someone else. The place where the world would disqualify you is the place that God wants to touch and heal you. And now he qualifies you to minister from that place. Because it's healed people who bring healing to others. Somebody needs your, your story. Somebody needs your story. You know, I've shared a little bit about my, my story over the years here about um, when we first started the church back in 2014 when my wife and I moved from Western New York to, to plant redemption, to plant this church. And honestly, I wish I could tell you that it got, we got here and everything went great. But 2014 was the most difficult year of, of my life. I felt lost for the better part of a year. It was hard to get things started. I felt like a failure. I felt overwhelmed so many days. And yet in the, in the middle of all of that, I began to get glimpses that one day I was going to help other, other pastors who were trying to start churches. Now, it doesn't really make sense that God's going to use me to help other people start churches when I can't even get one off the ground myself. Hello. Come on. We talk about even when I can't see it, he's working. 
well, this is how it actually works, right? I couldn't see it, but he was working. And so I was struggling, right? And yet God was giving me glimpses that one day I'm gonna use you to bless other church planters. And I begin to actually have a vision of helping other pastors. Well, the good news is God is faithful. He showed up, we launched the church. He blessed it and began to grow. But here's the rest of the story. I can't tell you how many times in the years since I went through all that, I have found myself on the phone with some pastor who's broken, some pastor who's disappointed, some pastor who's hurting, some pastor who's trying to get his church off the ground. And I've been able to testify to the faithfulness of God. And here's the amazing thing. It's not my success that encourages them. It's not look at me and look what I've done. Actually, what they find encouraging is when I tell them all the difficult stuff that I went through, when I tell them how it didn't look like it was going to work out, how I was overwhelmed. I had no idea how we were going to make this happen. But God showed up and God was faithful. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. That's what's encouraged them. A couple years ago, one of those dreams was fulfilled as I traveled all the way to Sweden and I stood in front of a bunch of Swedish pastors and helped train them to plant churches. Come on, God knows what he's doing. Somebody needs your your story. People are more encouraged by what you've been through than they are impressed by all of your achievements. Did you know that? The things that we think disqualify us, the reality is people can usually identify with your weaknesses and the, and the difficult things you've been through. That, that doesn't mean that, that God can't use your, your success because often your success is meant to be a blessing to others as well. But what I want you to know is don't let the difficult seasons discourage you. Don't let the difficult seasons disqualify you because somebody needs your story. Here's the second thing. We're talking about what we can tr- contribute, what we can contribute to the mission, to the kingdom of God, to God's mission to redeem this world. The second thing is your strength, your strength. What does that mean? God has given given you a strength, a gift to use to advance his mission, to build up his church. Look at what the apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verses four through six. He says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Look at verse six. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. The apostle Paul says that the church of Jesus Christ, it's like a body. This is an analogy he gives. He says, every one of you has a part to play. You need every member of the body. You need it to be healthy. Every part matters. We need every part to function. Every part doesn't have the same job. Come on, big or small, every part matters. If you don't think every part matters, just stub your little toe and you will be reminded how important, right? Stubbing your little toe causes words to come out of your mouth. (laughs) Every part matters, right? And I think there's two things that often keep us from using our strengths and our God-given gifts. Number one, we let our weaknesses disqualify us. Why is it that we do that? You know, I used to have a question that I would use when I was training leaders. I'd say, tell me about your strengths and, and your weaknesses. And people would go off about their weaknesses and they would be really humble about their strengths. What is it in human nature that we're so fixated on, on our weaknesses? Because you may be weak in one area, but you're strong in another area, right? Like you might be, not be the greatest teacher, but you might be a really great cook and that's a blessing. And you might not be a really great cook, but maybe you're really good with numbers. <laughs> and you might not be really good with numbers, but maybe you're good at fixing things with your hands. Hello, you may be weak in some area, but you're gifted somewhere else. Every one of us has a strength. We have a gift. I think the other mistake that we make is we compare our gifts to other people's gifts. I know in the church context, so many times I meet people and they think, well, I can never preach like that. I, I can never lead worship like that. Or you join a life group. I can never lead a life group like that. I don't know, I don't know the, the Bible. Let me ask you this question. Have you found your gift? Have you found your gift? Look, look at verse six again. Verse six says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. See, your gift flows from the grace of God on your life. Your gift flows from the grace of God on your life. Have you ever wondered why something that comes so natural 
to you is so difficult for other people. Come on, don't be humble. It's okay. Brag on yourself for a moment. We beat ourselves up enough. There are certain things, right, that for you, like you can't figure out why that person can't do what I can do or why that didn't come natural to them. Like why can't they teach or why can't they crunch numbers or why can't they fix things? Like nobody really taught me how to do that. That's because the gift of God flows from the grace of God on your life, not their life, not their gift, not their grace. It's his grace for your life. You've got a gift. You've got a gift. The abilities that God has given you are his gift to you. When you give them back to the kingdom of God, it's your gift to God. And so let me ask you this question. How are you using your strength? How are you using your gift? A little infomercial here for Growth Track. If you've never joined us for Growth Track session two today, stick around after the service today. In session two, it's called Discover Your Place. One of the things that we do is we help you uh, clarify, get some clarity around your gifting. We talk about spiritual gifts and passions and the way God has wired you because we want to help you. We want to help you live into God's grace in your life. His, his gift that he's given you. And so if you've never done that before, we'd love to have you join us today after the service and activate your gift. Here's the third thing. Is this helping anybody today? We're talking about what we can contribute. We're taking the mission of God and we're making it personal today. How can we be a part of this? Because we want to live lives of significance deep down in our bones. We want to live lives that matter. What does that look like in the context of being a follower of Jesus in community? What can we give back? Here's the third thing. Number three is your service. Your, your service, your story, your strength. Number three is your service. Look at this interesting scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he talks about the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us. Now he's writing to the Corinthians and he's kind of reminding them that, that he's got authority, that there's an anointing on his life to minister to them. He's writing to them, he's counseling to them, okay? But he, he gives this, this picture, this idea that there is a sphere of service that God has assigned to us. See, you have a sphere of service, an area where God is calling you to use your gifts. In fact, I would put it this way. Your gifting plus your passion, your sphere, equals your sweet spot. That'll help you not only just in your Christian walk, but those of you who are trying to discern your career. Let me say that to you again, okay? Maybe you're in college. Maybe you're pursuing a graduate degree. Maybe you're at a crossroads in your, in your life direction. Your gifting plus your passion, your sphere, will equals your sweet spot. Sometimes we're using our gifting and we're not in the right sphere. Sometimes we're in the right sphere and we're not leaning into our gifting. But you bring those two together and watch how God uses your life. It's fulfilling. And so what's your sphere of service? Okay, I want you to think about some of the different spheres. Let's talk about church for a moment. Let's give one example. Have you found your place of service here? Some people, their sphere is leading worship. Aren't we thankful for the amazing, talented people who lead us into worship? Some of us sing in the shower. Amen. What, what's your sphere? Some people, it's behind the scenes. It's they're technically talented and they love to help set the stage for worship. Some people who serve on the guest services, their sphere is welcoming people. Come on, you smile and people feel the love of Jesus. Like your smile is anointed. People come in and you bless them just with your smile, right? Some people, it's serving in the kids' ministry. Some people, not so much. They're like, here's my kids. I need to go. But some of you, like, you just love the babies. Give me the kids, right? What is your sphere? Every one of us has a sphere where God wants to use us. Maybe it's leading a life group. You love creating a place where people can get connected and, and, and build relationships. Um, maybe it's, your, it's where you live. It's your neighborhood. It's your city. It's your friends. 
It's your family. It's your coworker. It's your place of work. I think there are many people who are successful business people here in the New York City area. And sometimes they wonder, well, what's spiritual about that? What can I do to help the church? Well, maybe God has blessed you and you have the ability to make money and God wants to use you to be generous to help further the kingdom of God. What, what's your sphere? I know when I talk about this, sometimes people think, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor Jeremy, but you know, I'm just a teacher. I'm just a nurse. I'm just an accountant. No, no, no. You're not just anything. You're not just a teacher. You're not just a an accountant. You're not just a nurse. You are God's representative to bring the kingdom of God into the classroom, into the hospital, into the office, because you have a sphere that God has given you. Here's the fourth thing, the fourth thing that you can contribute, that you can bring to to add to God's mission, to live your life for God's mission. The fourth thing is your sacrifice, your sacrifice. See, God has blessed every one of us with a certain amount of time, with a certain amount of money, with a certain amount of gifting, but but we have to choose how we steward it to further his kingdom. He, He gives it to us, he puts it in our hand, but we have to decide what to do with it. I would put it this way, for someone to receive, someone has to give. For someone to receive, someone has to give. See, let me give you this church for an example, okay? Somebody gave so that this church could get started. See, now we're giving thousands of dollars away every year missions. We're help planting life-giving churches all around the nation, all around the world. We're feeding hungry neighbors. We're responding to natural disasters around the world. We're sponsoring children down in Honduras. Like we have all these amazing outreach things. We're able to do several serve events a year. We're, we're able to give back now, but here's the reality. For all of this to get started, somebody gave to help this church get started. And I want you to connect this idea for a minute. Many of the people who gave never got to come be a part of this. See, you've been here, you've got to receive, right? If you found a church home, anybody been encouraged here? Anybody found a church home here? Anybody made some friends who became spiritual family? Anybody experienced healing here? Anybody got baptized here? Like you received, but I want you to get this. Somebody gave, somebody sacrificed so that we could even be here today. If you're new to this church, a bunch of these people gave a whole bunch of money so we could be in this building. You ought to thank them. (laughs) But here's what I want you to think about for a moment. For us to receive, someone has to give. Someone always has to sacrifice. And when I think about this, I think about a lady named Judy that we met uh, in Western New York years ago when we were in transition, moving down here to start the church. And Judy was actually born here in in Westchester, um, maybe spent some childhood years here, but she spent most of her life in upstate New York. But when she heard the vision of planting a new life-giving church here, it touched her because she had roots here in Westchester. And early on, we were just getting started. I mean, just raising the funds and basically transitioning to be like missionaries to start this church. Judy would send support to us. She would send a check every, every month. And a lot of times she would send like a handwritten decorated card. Um, And this lady, she's an older lady. She was retired, didn't have a whole lot of money. She was probably literally giving out of her retirement. And a few years ago, she went to be with Jesus. She, She went to heaven and she never got to see the church. I'd always say, man, I hope you can come visit one day. And I think she had some family here. And she didn't have much, but look at what God did with her seed. Look at what God did with her. She planted a seed in those early years that has taken root and grown and blossomed to become something beautiful. See, the sacrifice is never wasted. Your seed is never wasted. The blessing is always on your sacrifice. I love what Pastor Justin Kendrick says in his book, The Sacred House. He says, if you don't make your sacrifice, you will miss out 
on God's faithfulness. The church will miss out on the gift and the world will miss out on your witness. Think about that for a moment. If you don't make your sacrifice, you will miss out on God's faithfulness. The church will miss out on on the gift and the world will miss out on on your witness. And I think so many people are, are missing out on the faithfulness of God because you've never done anything that will require you to step out in faith. And, and you don't have stories. I want you to have stories to tell. I want you to have testimonies to tell. If you're a parent, I want you to be able to tell your kids. Let me tell you about the faithfulness of God in our lives because there's nothing like seeing God work through your life. There's nothing like them to say, we trusted God with our finances. We trusted God with our career. We trusted God with our home. We trusted God with our marriage. And God is faithful. There's nothing, there's nothing like seeing God work through your life. I tell my kids all the time, we are rich in purpose. We are rich in purpose. You you cannot put a price tag on God working through your life. You want to talk about lasting fulfillment? You want to talk about a sense of meaning? We don't give what we have to give. When we don't give our lives back, when we don't give our gifts, church misses out in the world, misses out on our witness. See, our collective witness is only as strong as each one of our individual witnesses, right? Every one of us has a seed to plant. The apostle Peter talks about the church is like a house being built from living stones. The, the mission is only as strong as each stone, each contribution, each person giving of their gift, each person making their sacrifice. And so it does cost us something to love. It costs us something to serve. It costs us something to give. It costs us something to be a blessing to someone else. But the blessing is always on the sacrifice. I promise you what you give always comes back to you in God's blessing on your life. And so how are you using what God has blessed you with to further his mission? What did he place in your hand? Not someone else, your, your sacrifice. So today I want to remind you that to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ is to be invited to live on mission, to give your life to something so much greater than you, to to give your life to something worth living for. It's to be invited into the greatest story that's ever been told of a loving God who is redeeming this broken planet. I'm telling you, that is where lasting fulfillment is. If you're drifting a little bit right now, if you've been finding yourself kind of going through the motions, wondering what is my purpose? Is there more meaning? Is there more fulfillment? There's gotta be something more than this. Let me just tell you, he's a God who has so much more for you. He's a good, Jesus invites you into, into something so worth giving your life to. So let me just leave you with this little formula, this little definition that will help you out. Fulfillment equals finding a purpose bigger than yourself plus pursuing that mission in community. Lasting fulfillment, true fulfillment, the kind of fulfillment that God wired our hearts for is found in finding a purpose that's bigger than yourself and pursuing that, that mission in community. And here's the good news. That's what Jesus offers to us. He offers us the opportunity to give our lives to something that will outlast us, something that is eternal, his kingdom. And he invites us to do it together. We're not in it by ourselves, but he gave us the gift of the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, we are the church of Jesus Christ and we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the world. Come on, we exist for the world. We're on mission together. There's something something that we can accomplish together. There's so much more that we can accomplish together than we could ever accomplish on our own. And when we live this way, when we come together, we live on mission and community together, the impact of our lives far outweighs us. I think about that all the time. I want to live a life that far outlives me. I want to have an impact that far outlasts my life, but I can only do that in what I invest into the mission of God and into other people's lives. What What kind of impact could we have together if we really got committed to this idea 
of living on mission together if we took that and we made that really personal. And so here's what I want to do. I want to leave you with four questions. We're going to put them on the screen to make this personal. And I'm going to ask you to pray over these. And maybe God's going to speak to you about one of these questions. So here's the first one. Who needs your story? Who needs your story? Maybe you came here to receive, and that's fine. Let's stick around long enough and find out how somebody needs your story, how somebody wants to use your life's testimony. Have you discovered your gifts? Have you discovered what God has has strengthened you to do, his grace on your life? Have you discovered what that is and how can you use that for kingdom purposes? Which is really the third question, what's what's your sphere of service? What is your sphere of service? Maybe it's Sunday morning, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your career, maybe it's in education or medicine or the financial world. Like, How does God want to use your gifts to impact his kingdom through your sphere of service? Who's around you that he wants to use you to influence? And then here's the last question. How are you using what God has blessed you with to further his kingdom? I'm gonna step out the way because maybe somebody wants to take a picture of that. Pray over that this week. And God may begin to speak to you about one of those areas. He may put a person on your heart. He may put a need on your heart. He may reawaken a dream, a calling, a burden that he placed in your heart years ago. He may take you back to something. He he may remind you about something in, in your story that you need to share with someone else. And so can we just pray about that and ask God to speak to us? Would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna do that right now. We're gonna do that right now. We're gonna just thank God for his goodness. We're gonna thank God that he's invited us to be a part of his church to be a part of his family, to live on mission, to be in this community, to give our lives to a worthy cause, to give our lives to something bigger than ourselves. Come on, why don't you stand with me this morning? If you're comfortable, maybe you want to lift your hands this morning just as a symbol of saying, here I am, God. You can use my life. You can use my life. You can work through me. God, we thank you. We thank you that you have invited us to be a part of this beautiful story that you are writing, this redemptive story that's underway in our broken world. God, we thank you that you've called us to have a place in your church, your family, your body, this spiritual family that you've invited us to be a part of the greatest mission the world has ever seen. The mission of Jesus Christ redeem broken lives, to redeem this broken world. And Lord, we want to give ourselves back to you today. We want to make that personal today. God, we give ourselves back to you. Maybe somebody needs to pray that today as you lift your hands. God, I give myself back to you and give my life to you. I want to give my life to something that matters. I want to give my life to a a purpose that's bigger than me. I don't want to be the center of my universe, but God, I want you to use my life to have a greater impact than I ever thought. God, I want you to use me to love somebody. God, pray through me. God, give through me. God, serve through me. God, love through me. Here's my life. God, if you can use anything, you can use me. And Father, we pray that you'd speak to us about one of those questions. God, show us how we can use our story. God, show us how you can you can use our strength and God, you can use our sphere and maybe the sacrifice that you're calling us to make. And God, we thank you that with your blessing upon it, it outlasts us. We can live lives of significance, God, as your people, as your family, as your church together. We thank you for it. I pray a blessing over every person who prayed that prayer. I pray in the coming days and weeks that you would speak to their hearts. You would use them in greater ways than they ever imagined. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, if you receive it, would you say amen? Amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.